It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and this afternoon I'm delighted to be joined by Brian Degnan, you're calling in from Swindon, Brian, how are things down there? Aye, things in here are quite quiet, nice um, sun's out but it's still freezing so it's uh, at least it's dry, so uh, aye, all good down in uh, sunny Swindon. What's the links between Swindon and Celtic then? De Canio, Simon Ferry, who else? Yeah, Simon Ferry, um, Paul Caddis. Caddis. I dare say there's more little pop up over the years. Um, it's quite nice though. It's quite a because is not that big, but there's quite a large Celtic following down here, mm-hmm. as in most places. But um, when I first moved, I, I struggled to sort of find any talk to football about because nobody cared about Celtic. And then um, I randomly was in a pub one day with a Celtic top one, which you can do down here. And then um, some guy shouted across the bar, 
He says, you need to go across the road. And then the pub across the road is where the Sunday Shamrocks, who's a supporter of club meet. And um, I've been, been hanging about with you guys since. And uh, I so it's good. It's um, it's always uh, it's always interesting meeting people from so far afield that just absolutely adore the club the way the way you do. It's nice, special club, though, isn't it? That's why it is. Yes, and you do have that global appeal wherever you go. If you see the green and white hoops, it is one of those uh, beacons that uh, the person you would hope is one of the good guys. And um, it's just the two of us today. And I just said before we came on, Brian, that that was the cue for a wee song. I'm certainly not going to be singing it. Uh, But talking of songs, Ange Postacoglu says that he can take this Celtic side or he wants to take this Celtic side to another level. Now, I don't know if you're an another level fan, Brian. I don't know your musical taste, to be honest with you, mate, but uh, I certainly was not. Um, back in the 1990s. But we are going to be talking about how Ange is already putting in place the building blocks to create something at Celtic that he describes as another level. Um, You were looking, you know, at the weekend there, the performance against St. Johnston, McDermott Park has been historically a difficult hunting ground for Celtic. Um, The pitch itself was obviously an issue at the weekend, but we came away with a convincing 4-1 victory. Um, what was what did you make of the, the game overall, Brian? Um, I thought it was I thought we, we played really well, actually. I thought the I thought the score line probably flattered St. Johnson a wee bit, although I will say I thought they actually played quite well. To be fair, I think they they were quite aggressive at the start. They looked to create a few chances. Um I thought they defended fairly well. Um but it was sort of it feels like you feel almost spoiled saying it's more of the same for a Celtic side. But I don't mean that to dismiss how good we've been. It's just it's almost becoming no routine, but you're expecting us to just blow away and attack and play with such football intent. And to play the way we do on that park, I thought was was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my, my main takeaway, I was kind of thinking about it, is I know we talk about strength and depth in the bench a lot, but it's, there's a, a real sort of grit and resilience about the team. Like Jota, I thought, didn't have the greatest game at points, but then had an assist and was actually quite influential by the end. David Tumble, was it th- three goals and five or something like that? Four goals and five, something coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're bringing a guy like Matt O'Reilly off to replace Moy, who's again exceptional. And you just start, you just think, I mean, Ash talks about being on another level, you think there's still so much more to come. No in terms of performance, but if you look at even the squad, because probably longer term, you're going to replace maybe Joe Hart, you're probably going to add another midfielder, you're going to add these other things, the players up there are going to get better. And we just seem, it's almost second nature. The players, that even when we make changes, it you wouldn't know if that makes sense. Like the, the, the play continues, the system yeah. continues, and it, it's just, it's kind of remarkable actually. And I don't think, it's like almost like a dribble treble. I think it will take a few years before we actually appreciate what we're seeing at the moment. That that's incredible uh, because there are talk or or there are talks rather there is talk of um, a, a treble this season. So I find that really interesting. So if we break it down a wee bit and start looking at some of the performances uh, that we have, I've also kind of got groups of players, Brian. That um, you have certain players that you think are, even though Ange may argue the the point, um, almost certain starters. You know that core group: Joe Hart. Carter Vickers, McGregor, probably Kyogo, uh, you know, and then round about that, you've got players who, for example, 
um, will be trying to get back in the side. People like you know Turnbull, for example, O'Reilly, and Abada. Um, you know, maybe to a lesser degree, Ralston and, and, and Bernabe's not quite got in there yet. Um, and then you've got a group of players, I believe, that and we'll focus on them as well, who haven't really got started yet. And you'd probably uh, throw in Awata, Kobayashi, Haksabanovic, even maybe even uh, O uh, after three cameos. So I, th- I find it really interesting how there's a dynamic being built by Ange Postecoglou um, that when you talk about guys like Joe Hart, um, there's three, I was reading about this morning, there are three players who are coming into you know the last 18 months of their contract, Joe Hart being one of them, Aaron Moy being another, David Turnbull being the third. Um, the one of those three that concerns me a wee bit is probably Turnbull um, and how you can convince Turnbull that you're going to stay at Celtic, you're going to get game time at the moment. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard sell for Turnbull and that sounds uh, pretty ominous, but he's a guy that wants game time at the age of 23. Joe Hart, this might be the final 18 months of his Celtic career. Who knows what's going to happen with Joe Hart? Is he going to have a Buffon-style kind of like um, end to his career? And then Moy, I don't like to, th- at this moment in time, think about a Celtic team without Aaron Moy. That's, you know, that's how well he's been playing. But, aye, but at his age and with 18 months to go, it could well be the final 18 months of his career as well. So you've also got to look at how Ange is constantly replenishing the team and refreshing the side and I think that um, he's got a plan that isn't um, a short term one certainly it's a medium term plan he's got and he's already got those those groups in place and I want to talk about how um, he can manage those groups and keep all the players happy um, I'm going to start off with uh, our top goal scorer Kyogo Furuhashi um, and I'll go back to some comments that Ange made fairly recently when it was raised at a press conference Brian about Kyogo's um, loss of form and Ange obviously didn't agree with that. He said that he's been fairly consistently brilliant since he came in um, and at the, the weekend he scores a goal he does a lot more than that though um, and when you look at this season he scored 22 and 32. Last season 20 goals and 33 appearances. If you break it down to the minutes as a lot of the stats guys like to do he scored this season a goal every 96 minutes Last season, it was a goal every 108. If you look at goals and assists this season, um, he's involved in a goal every 85 minutes. Last season, every 87 minutes. It's an astonishing set of um, statistics, Brian. And when you also think of the fact that he's seen off Yakamakis, he's not in the building yet, but he's kind of seen off Yakamakis. Um, but he brings so much more to the team than just the goals. This is the one point I want to, to look at. I mean, we talk about a culture in a football team, how big a, a cultural change it's been for the Japanese players coming in, but how big an influence they've had on the culture of the other players within the dressing room as well. Aye, it's amazing. I mean, a couple of things to pick up eh, regarding Kyogo. So you you I think you hit the nail on the head there and that how much he offers the team, how much yeah. he influences the team apart for the goals. When I think people were saying it, and I was one of the ones that said it as well, that he dropped form a bit, was that, yes, he was scoring the goals, but he wasn't really doing a lot else. And if you look at his performances in Europe, he didn't score at all. So I think it was clear that just because he's scoring goals at this level, he's capable of so much more. And he wasn't, there was a wee dip, he wasn't quite doing it. Now that seems like you're being harsh. And it probably is harsh, but then if you set expectations so high and they drop a bit, it is, you know, I think it's fair to call out. And then you have to also wonder, also Yakimakis had said he was wanting to go. So if he was ready to stay and there was no desire to leave, would he have been 
the play skill at any point during that time. You don't know. So there's a lot of buts and maybe. So I get Angie's maybe a bit protective of her Kyogo, but I, I don't think it's unfair to, to call out players that they're having a wee dip. It's like Matt O'Reilly, right? Matt O'Reilly, for me, I think he's an, an incredible footballer. I think he's got unlimited potential, but he's been a wee bit off form and Aaron Moyes coming in to take his place. Mm-hmm. which goes to that depth and form. But go back to Kyogo, you're right. I mean, he's assist and, and or, uh, he's playing the build-up with that pass through. Moyne in the position to run back in and score. He's just an exceptional footballer. And the fact that what I thought was interesting was Ange saying that he thinks he's not even peaked yet. So normally at 28, you would say that's probably a player's like top. But then with the Japanese players starting a bit later, the fact he's, he's not even peaked yet, I think that's... That's going to be terrifying for players playing against him. I mean, there's so much to love about Kyogo. It's his movement is one of the main things. I think we've said in the past it's almost Larson-esque in terms of the way he moves and dives about. Yeah. Um, he, he's clinical. He can be a wee bit wasteful at times, but, you know, his stats don't lie, right? He is very, very clinical. But I love the fact he's, he's so robust for such a wee guy. He's like five foot seven. He's slim. Mm-hmm. He never shuts a tackle. He charges players down, he puts the boot in, he gets himself about, he's never scared. And actually, his aerial ability is pretty good for his size as well. So we've got a top class striker there. But the even more exciting thing, if you'll indulge me, is the fact that I feel the predict if Kyogo was to go, somebody else is going to come in, such as this sort of fluidity in Angie's squad. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, in years past, the players have been more important than the, the system or the shape in a way. If you lose a player, you think that's devastating. You know what's going to happen to the team, but it's almost feeling. I hope Kyogo's here for a long time, but you almost feel like if someone does go, the team will keep kind of churning over. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's players with certain quality you will worry, but in general, like I, I just think the system's almost stronger than the the individual. If that makes sense, and it's probably the first time I can really remember that happening. Uh, well, absolutely. There's a succession kind of planning about Ange that <laughs> we're not used to, Brian. You know what I mean? It's like when even the great Martin O'Neill, who I'm going to be very privileged to share a stage with at the end of this month, uh, when he left, the team needed completely overhauled. The job that that Gordon Strachan had was a completely different job to the one Martin O'Neill had on his hands Um, because obviously O'Neill came in at a time where you know Rangers had become the dominant force. Celtic had won one league title since... Um, 1988, and that was the uh, stop in the 10th season under Vim Janssen. More of that later, by the way. Um, And what O'Neill did was he completely rebuilt Celtic as a force in uh, domestic football and, you know, almost in European football, taking us to that European final 20 years ago, Brian, um, in May. And then when when Strachan came in, there was a, a clutch of players there who had aged, obviously, um, so there was no sell-on value. Uh, there had been phenomenal players for Celtic, but there was no sell-on value to the likes of Neil Lennon, Alan Thompson, even John Hartson and Chris Sutton. As phenomenal as they were at Celtic, there was no sell-on value. Um, and then obviously the wages were an issue as well. So then there was this massive drop. And I think the great example that I've used before, and I read it in Gordon Stratton's book, was that he had the opportunity to sign Craig Bellamy for five million quid but the deal, the transfer fee, the wages, he used that to sign Zuraski and Nakamura and Boric. All three of those players yeah, equated to what it would have cost to bring Bellamy to the club. So the, the Bellamy was the O'Neill-style player, the O'Neill-style signing, 
whereas Strachan was doing it a wee bit differently. But what you've got now is you've got Ange, and it's succession planning that should happen in every successful, and I know people don't like us calling football a business, but it is a business. Um, and what you've got there is Yakimakis leaves, all right, we've already brought in O. Juranovic leaves, we've already brought in Johnson. And he's, he's buying younger models. Um, Johnson was also at the World Cup, may not have played as well as Juranovic. You know, the team he was playing with wasn't as good as Juranovic's team either. But what Andrew's got is he's got that succession in place. And it fills you with a bit of confidence that um, if and when the final moment does come and Ange goes to manage Australia, another World Cup, or Real Madrid, or whoever he goes to, um, well, whatever happens, um, and hopefully it's in about five years' time, then you know that you've got a, a really solid foundation there, Brian. I think in the past, the manager's left and it's just been like, let's start again. I mean, we even seen it when Ange came in. The situation Ange faced compared to where we are now, talking about almost having two sides that you could line up, is astonishing in such a short space of time. I well, There's two massive points here, Paul, and... In- to talk about the second one first, the, the state of the place where Ange came in, I mean, it's hard to believe that was only 18-odd months ago. It, it feels like a completely different football club in a way. Aye, yep. You know, the, 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 the operation, the attitude, the culture, the type of play we're seeing, the success of it in such a short space of time. Like, you know, even if you, we shared a thing, the, the, the group recently, and it was the, the starting 11 for the Real Betis game. Mm-hmm. Under Ange, remember? Yeah, yeah. Any of them are either still here or with the starters. It's quite incredible that turnaround. But what Ange has done is it's 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 something that I think I know I certainly been harping on about it. I think you agree that Celtic should find a coach to fit the club and know mm-hmm. the other way about. We shouldn't always mm-hmm. change every time because it doesn't it's not going to work. That's why we've got the academy issues we've had for so long and, and why we've always had to do these rebuilds after everyone leaves. So the onus now would be on Celtic to maintain this because what they've got there is a, a style of play, a system that works, the infrastructure around it. Um, I, I can't remember the guy's name that came from Benfica, the data scientist. You've got the uh, fitness coach that was there at Tottenham, uh, Mark Wall coming in. You've got all these guys in the background now. You've got the coaching staff, the B team set up, all geared for success, playing a certain way. They've got the player modelling thing that they've tried to do for years that Angie's finally got right, in my opinion. I know people say he's done it a different way. I think he's just done, I think he's done the same thing, but much better than everyone else. Um, if you look at getting players in, developing them, selling them, which we've been doing for a while. Mm-hmm. So if you've got all that in place, if Ange goes, because remember, he came in alone, so he's going to leave alone. So everything else is still there. So you just need to find someone to take that place. And in theory, you should keep, you might not have the same success, it might be slight tweaks, but you do the Dortmund mode, you do the Leipzig mode, you do even Brentford similar idea you do this this sort of player modelling system with the infrastructure in place and it can only be a bright future but the onus has to be on Celtic because what they can do as Vance does go is panic and get some ex-manager for the EPL in, EPL in and change again because then you're just right back and you can't as Ange spoke about it um, about the Champions League and it says incremental increases year on year Mm-hmm. You need a little bit better year on year, but the only way you do that if you have this consistency, or else you're always resetting. And if you're always resetting, you kind of move forward. Short term success, um, but long term failure. And I think actually now we've got a really good balance. I'd agree with that. I think also I always look back, um, Brian, to the, the old boot room mentality. Now, 
Celtic had that in the past, and um, it's always attributed to Liverpool, isn't it? Back in the right, right back to Bill Shankly's days, uh, going through their list of managers, whereby there were people who were already at the club and they already knew what they called the Liverpool way back then, and there was this succession of managers that already had everything instilled in them, Brian, in, to- in terms of the culture, the heritage of the club, the style of play. Um, and, you know, that that continued for years. You know, Shankly, Paisley, Fagan, Dalgleish, uh, Ronnie Moran was part of that team, as was Roy Evans, who later became the manager. But when they stopped doing it, they stopped having success. Um, it just so happened, Sunis went, went to Liverpool and the boot room was tore up and it showed you how long it took them to get success again, obviously, you know, they had to wait until Jurgen Klopp came fairly recently. I know he's been at the club for seven years, uh, you know, to to get success again. But Liverpool had a formula and they threw the formula in the bin. And obviously you've seen what happened. Celtic had a formula and their formula was similar to that, you know, where you look at the boot room mentality and the fact that when Jock's team was named the Celtic manager, he was the fourth manager in the history of the club, Brian. <laughs> The fourth manager. That's really? astonishing, right? Now, I know really? we had Willie Maley, who was the manager, I think, officially for about 52 years, which is incredible. Glory. It's Staggy. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, and then, obviously, we had the, the, the thing where it was generally a Celtic captain or player, at least, that, that would be the manager of Celtic. So we did have that in place. What we've got now with Ange, I look at the situation where he is slowly but surely, like you say, starting to build his own backroom team. Harry Kuehl's part of that. And you just hope that there's a flawless transition, you know, if and when that happens. What's, what's the point of going out and getting something or a name that's hot at that moment in time who doesn't fit the system that Ange has been building to take us to this other level that we're talking about today? Um, Kyogo, one final question on the Kyogo thing. I love looking at, obviously, the history books and who's played games, so many games and the goals. I love all that kind of stuff. And at the moment, he scored 42 goals in 65 games for Celtic. And I find it interesting that his previous club, Vissel Kobe, I think that's how you pronounce it, he only scored 49 and 111. So he's far more prolific for Celtic than he had been uh, for his previous club. But I'm going to ask you the question. He hit his second, 22nd goal there yesterday. How far can he take it, Brian? Because I was looking this morning, we potentially have 18 games to play. I would expect Kyogo to play most of them, start most of them as well. How many more goals do you reckon? 30? Dare I say even 40, do you think? I, I would have said 40. I think if you look at his, he's averaging nearly a goal a game anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not outlandish to suggest. And then you're going to eat games where he scores a couple at a time. Mm-hmm. So he should even out. I think he should aim for that. I think that I don't think there's any limit on what he can do and remember obviously cup competitions as well so we'll, we'll see how that progresses so there's there's every um, every chance to do well and I think it ties into the point I said earlier about um, what Anne said about Cubo and that he's, he's not at his peak yet and if you look at those stats that confirms it right he's, he's getting better yeah. now for us a 28 year old player for you know Scotland playing you might think he's not going to get too much better maybe a couple of years but school seems to be getting better and better and better, which can only, you know, bode well for us. Um, and again, the interesting thing always to remember, I think, is as good as Kugel is, all will have to match that and then make him better. And if he doesn't, if it's someday he'll certainly keep doing it. You look at uh, Greg Taylor, we spoke about a, a bunch. I, I I have to think Burnaby coming in has made Taylor better. Because Greg Taylor's been exceptional this season. 
He really, really has. And you can see he's so confident with the, the passes, the wee dink passes he's trying now, mm-hmm. which were never really part of his game. You know, he's looking at he's, he was in the right wing at one point yesterday. And he's dinking it over, you know, he's just clever. And I think that's because he knows if he drops form and Bellamy plays well, he's out. And I don't think Ange plays favourites. Someone made a really good point in the comments. I, I didn't catch their name, so apologies. But on the sort of the, the thing I said about the coach should match the club and know the other way about, he said he gets that, but obviously Ange completely changed. And I think it's right. I think Ange gave his our Celtic identity back in a way. Yeah. You know, this guy for across the world, no Celtic affiliation, actually is the most Celtic minded manager we've had in terms of the culture and playing a Celtic way for a long time. And I suppose my point is he came in and changed it and now we have to keep it. So there's no point in getting, you know, a, a Sean Dyson and, and, and playing long balls into the box where Everton have done. You've got to stick to that say and build on it or you're not going to go any further. Mm. And it would be potentially at another level, I think. We, we've speculated in the past but if or when Ange may go and, you know, he's simply not going to be there forever because no one is, right? But I think he leaves no far EPL money, which I suppose we'll talk about later, EPL money, or, you know, some big name club. I think he leaves when he's achieved a real legacy at Celtic, more than just winning domestically. I think he's desperate to make his mark in Europe and, and I think it comes to a place of no place of ego because he's very self-confident but a place of Celtic deserve this this is where they should be Yeah, yeah. this is my job this, they've asked me to do and need to do it and I think that's that's so exciting for us because I think he achieved everything else he said he's going to do and he thinks he's going to do it so there's no reason to believe he can't go even further no, you're, you're spot on. I think he's found his perfect match, as has Celtic in Ange Postacoglu. Um, we're going to be chatting about some of the other performances at the weekend and, and really leading up to our next game against St Mirren in the Cup. Joe Hamilton, welcome back to the show, Joe. You're commenting on YouTube. I, can, I can't see Angie's boys slipping up this season, relentless. That, that's where you, know, you start the conversation around, can we actually do it? And I know what it's like in the Cups, Brian. I know anything can happen in a one-off game. You know, it could be a number of bad performances, a bad pitch, poor referee decision. Let's not bring VAR into the equation. Anything can happen in one one-off game. But we're playing in such a way that, you know, if we don't take it the whole way and don't win a treble, I'll be really disappointed. Not because I feel entitled, because I actually think the, the play that we've had, the form that we've been showing, deserves it. I think that there's been teams in that quadruple treble who haven't shown the form that Angie's team has has shown so far this season so that would be my point I would actually be disappointed not because I'm an entitled Celtic fan who thinks you know we deserve to win every single trophy um, but if we play the way we're playing right now it's a real possibility um, and like what you've just said there Ange comes in he wins a double if he was to win a treble this season he's going to be looking at Europe what can I do in Europe next season um, and obviously what he's learned in the last two campaigns hopefully we can learn from the mistakes uh, that we've made over the last two because there's been a few in Europe we know that uh, Jungle Lion always a pleasure and yes we do have a shirt for you I have not forgotten um, things in the things in the studio will be a wee bit busy but I, I always write things down old fashioned in that sense. I write things down, never forget. I do tick them off eventually. Ruthless and relentless is a serious commodity. And has it in abundance. He does, and it comes back to that ambition that you were talking about. Um, and this as well, this is interesting. We've never spoke about this too much this season, Joe. Ange gets his teams to peak in the final part of the season. We spoke a lot about that last time. 
rounds. Um, and that's exactly what happened. We knew we had to go on this incredible run to win the league, and that's exactly what we did. What show are we in for? There's a few points we're going to be talking about, Joe, that kind of brings that in because we do have a starting lineup. And Brian and I could probably say, well, I think this player should start and this one shouldn't. But I think most of us have a starting lineup, which is the core group of players. Um, but I think that there's another group of players just under the, the radar at the moment. And I'm not talking O'Reilly, Abada and Turnbull, because they're they're obviously in Ralston, who are not getting as much game time as they would like. But that other group of players that were brought in, Brian, who, um, you know, we've not seen a great deal of them, like Haksabanovic, Awata, Kobayashi and O. So I think that if you're talking about a second half of the season, momentum or even an improvement in what we're doing, I think those players are going to play a huge part in this. Um, we've not seen a great deal of any of them, but what do you make of that? The fact that, you know what, we can go again because the minute someone starts dipping, we've got this this group of players on the bench now who are willing to learn, they're willing to make an impact, they're, they're dying to get on the park and get some minutes. And it's that group that I think are going to be huge in the second half of the season. Absolutely massive. And, it, you know, we used Aaron Moyes as uh, an example. When he came in, it, you know, I know Eddie seen his basically undroppable you now. And you like his performance yesterday and his goal, which I don't think we spoke about enough. That was incredible, incredible finish for Moy. Um, but he took a while to get set. He, you know, he, he didn't have a great couple of first appearances. He had a shocker against St. Marin, if you remember. Um, so, you know, he pays to give his players the time to bed in. And I think, you know, when Ange feels they're ready, they'll come in. Liam, our man from Japan, Axon's own Liam, he he reckoned that Kobayashi is going to be the, the main centre-back next to Scott Vickers next season. He thinks he's an exceptional prospect. And you know these guys are getting bedded in to a challenge for play. And I think McGregor will be challenged. You know, clearly Ange, you know, rates him incredibly highly as a player, as a captain. But I think if, if Callum goes off the boil, we'll see I don't think you hesitate and drop them if they want to sit there chomping at the bit to start. And I don't think that's something we should do. I think that's incredibly exciting because, it, it, as I keep saying, it always it makes people go that stage further. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just mentioned the another level stuff and talking about Europe. Remember as well, McGregor was missing for a lot of the games in Europe. You know, O'Reilly was, was out of position in that, yeah. that thing. Plus, beginning of next season, more experienced, we are a, a better squad, more consistent, it's greater strength and depth. There's nothing, and even with that campaign, you know, yeah, we, we never we never won any games. But, what, I mean, you can imagine in a, a, a sliding door scenario, a couple of, a bit more clinical in front of the ball from everyone, not just any one player. It could be a completely different campaign because the performances were there. And, you know, it was, their games were amazing to watch. So you imagine that next season, but with that bit better, with that mm-hmm. much better squad. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such an exciting time and the other thing that um, Joel mentioned about you know if you look at comparisons to last season in terms of how we ramped up that really began after the League Cup final yeah you know from then on it was you know there was almost no doubt I mean there's always a little bit of doubt because you, you do get scared you know before any game I think you still got a wee bit of, of you know that tingling in your stomach because you think oh I know we should win but I know we should win but but keeping on, it's just it's incredibly exciting, exciting time to be part of uh, part of this experience and watching it. And I think, yeah. as I mentioned right at the start, I think sometimes maybe don't appreciate it quite as much until you take a step back and actually go, wait a minute, look at how we are playing. Look at where we were 18 months ago. This is a pretty special time, I think. 
Yeah, that is. A big part of that, what Joe said there, the second half of the season, coming into our own, a big part of that was how well Ange played the January transfer market, I felt. And last season also, we had players that um, came into their own kind of later on in the season. I think Yakimakis was one of those players. So when we look at this campaign and we look at that list of players that I've mentioned who are already in the building but not really getting game time at the moment, Haksabanovic, Kobayashi, Awata and O. The, the Yakimakisi last season is the moy of this season, this player who's coming into his own kind of later on in the season. Um, and I thought Aaron Moy again was fantastic. He was absolutely superb at the weekend. Um, and he's now looking at just some of the general stats, six goals in nine games. Brian, astonishing return. Um, and I keep saying this, but Matt O'Reilly is now second choice there. He definitely is now the second choice. And he'll be asking himself. It pays me to agree, but you're right. It helps me, but you're right. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It is, and I was looking at them on the the touchline. I don't think anybody in that dugout um, is going to be throwing toys at the pram because they've seen what happens if you try and do that. Um, you know, if you're going to be a Julien or a Yakimakis, you won't be at the club. They'll move you on, and then someone else will gladly take that seat in the dugout to try and prove yourself as a first-team pick. The thing with O'Reilly, I felt nothing had really gone wrong for Matt O'Reilly since he came to Celtic. He was the he was the, the surprise signing in the January transfer window, I think. You know, I didn't know a great deal about the three Japanese players, but they weren't surprises because of Angie's uh, knowledge of the, the Japanese game. Matt O'Reilly came in and you think you, you kind of looked at him as a bit of a wild card. But um, between January and the end of the season, he, he impressed. This season, I felt that the fact that he adapted to playing a, a more deeper role, in, particularly in Europe, Brian, like you, ma- you mentioned, I thought he was having a, a fine season. A really a, a big a big part of uh, his game uh, last season, I think, was his shooting abilities, his ability to get a goal. That's not been there this season. Uh, but I thought he was having a decent enough campaign, although he started dipping in his form just prior to Moy coming back in. Um, and I think he's still learning. He's he's only 22, Brian. 
You know, a wee dip in form at Celtic, but it doesn't make him a bad player. You know, Matt O'Reilly could be a star between now and the end of the season. We don't know how it's going to develop. But it is interesting that Joe mentioned it. But Aaron Moy, I mean, we keep saying it. We talk about him week on week now, about a player who, you know, he came in without a blaze of glory when we signed him. You know, he was quite a low-key signing. Never played much football last season. He's gone to the World Cup. He's come back like a guy that's been, you know, injected with the moy of old, getting in amongst the goals, playing passes, Brian, that, you know, are cutting through defences. Um, and at this moment in time, and I keep saying that because I know Ange plays to the moment, at this moment in time, he is a certain starter for me for Celtic. Yeah, he certainly is. I mean, I think if you look at, when you talk about, right, see when you talk about players out of form, right, and it goes back to the Kyogo thing. Matt O'Reilly's still got the most assists in the league, right? And he's, he, you would say he's out of form. But it's true. But yeah. that's how that's with the bar set. He even got one yesterday. <laughs> Brilliant. And then you've got Moy comes in, and it's just, as you say, uh, six goals in nine. I mean, mm. incredible stuff. If you, you're, you're a man for, for rewinding the tape sometimes and looking at past things. I remember when Moy was coming in and we we're talking about is this a gamble, is this ambitious, is it and I said at the time I went outside of Celtic, he'd be the best he's the best pass in the league. I mean if you take him in isolation outside of their squad at the time, we're getting him for free, I mean, he'd be the best pass on anyone else's team comfortably. Yeah. And you know, he's right, he's passing now in our team. And if he's doing it, he's so clever, just goes about his business. He likes a bit of dig as well. I mean he's a really quiet guy, he's the He's probably the, the least engaging talker I've ever seen. <laughs> His interviews are, um, are, are interesting watch, um, but a wee bit of a difficult watch at times, because that's not his style. But he, he, he's not like that in the park. He's no shy. He likes to tackle. He can get himself about. And I think he's such a clever player that he's got the same thing as Turnbull in a way, in that he's not got the most dynamic physicality. He's not the fastest player. He's not going to throw himself around all the place. But he's so clever, he doesn't need to. He's just in the positions at the right time. He can calm things down. He looks exactly. fine in passes that other people can. It's, and as I say, you talk about goals. I mentioned that game. That goal yesterday was incredible. Just that finish was absolutely top level. Oh, it was tremendous. You're talking there about the anticipation, the positional sense of a player. Uh, Brian, sometimes people think, oh, he's in the right place at the right time. No, you know, that that's part of his game. That's a talent. It's a skill that not all players have got. And I think sometimes players like Moy, who might lack the, the pace, um, have learned to adapt to that and that's why they anticipate things better that's why they find themselves in positions because it's been part of their game that they've required to enhance over the years it may be having that yard a wee bit um, less than than your your counterpart I think what he's done um, since Andrew's brought him in but particularly since the World Cup has been phenomenal and I love seeing you know even if I did criticise the signing which I didn't at the time I just thought it was it was quite low key it was low risk I didn't criticise the signing at the time um, but even if I did I'd be the happiest Celtic fan in the world that he's proved me wrong and that that's the big thing as well if a player comes in and you're not sure of them you know it's, it's tremendous to see them proving people wrong and he has proven a lot of folk wrong um, I'm going to you say I like rewinding the tape I do like rewinding the tape and I remember the season of 1997-98 with uh, a bit of fondness, let's just say. We were in a, a really transitional stage at Celtic, um, but there was this big thing hanging over us whereby Rangers had won nine in a row and we had to stop them from winning ten. We brought in 
someone who was criticised largely in the media, um, Vim Janssen. They obviously didn't do their research on the guy um, and his achievements within football. Vim Janssen, of course, had played for Feyenoord against Celtic in 1970 when they beat us in the European Cup final. And there were some parallels last season to Vim Janssen's season, the job that had to get done, the turnaround that was required, the fact that we win that League Cup that kind of galvanises the team. We did that in Vim Janssen's season against Dundee United. Um, Well, Vim Janssen sadly passed away recently and there's there's a fantastic book in his name uh, that I would recommend everybody um, to, to go and read as well. But the team is getting back together. The old gang, the band are getting back together, Brian. And we've got uh, a couple of VIP meet and greet tickets to give away this week. So we're going to be promoting them every day this week. And over the next three weeks, we're going to have some members of that team on the Axon Bulletin. Guys like Simon Donnelly, for example, we might have someone like Harold Bratt back on the show. Morton Vickhorst might uh, pay us a wee visit as well. We're going to have a few um, of the, the team that stopped the 10, the Smell the Glove team. We're going to have them on the show as we're promoting this gig for uh, the team at One Star. And and I think that the tribute evening um, is well-timed because obviously it is the anniversary uh, of us winning that particular league in May uh, 2023. Can you believe it's been 25 years, Brian? Dear me, I'm reminded on a daily basis how old I am, uh, but that that does make me feel old. 25 years since we stopped the 10, uh, and the the gate the, the actual event is going to be at the SEC Armadillo on Friday, the 12th of May. Tickets are available on the link underneath this video, but we're going to be giving away a couple of VIP meet and greet. You can you imagine if Hen- Henry Larson's part of this event, and you get a chance to meet the guy. Wow, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's just it's, it's iconic stuff, and it? and it's real like special, special people. Oh, I know. I, I do still get nervous, Brian. I get nervous about meeting people like that. Uh, and obviously, Martin O'Neill's in that category. I'm going to get nervous the night I meet him at the end of this month. But if you want to get involved in that competition, all you need to do is subscribe to Axon. Simple as that. I know that most of you, uh, actually, I say that 55% of the viewers today will be subscribers, and we'll, we have over 700 live at the moment. 55% of you will subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Um, it's free. All you do, hit the subscribe button on YouTube, and you're in the draw for two VIP meet-and-greet tickets for that sensational night in May. Um, if you've already subscribed, you're already in the draw. Don't worry. Don't unsubscribe and then subscribe. Everybody that's in there is in the draw. Uh, talking to Martin O'Neill, he's watching the show. The Celic Steamroller gathering serious pace now, boys and girls. It does feel that way. Um, we're averaging over three goals a game domestically, Brian. It's it's unbelievable. Um, and here we go. If I wasn't going to say it, Paddy's going to say it. Welcome back. Not to get ahead of us, but I think the treble is on. Um, people don't like talking like that, Brian. They get superstitious. Don't mention it because it won't happen if you mention it and all that stuff. But what I'm seeing at the moment is I'm seeing a group of players, as I say, the core group, who are all hitting form at the right time. You've got guys like O'Reilly and Turnbull with still a point to prove. They want to get back in the team, Abada. I mean, he he was unbelievable last season. He's not really uh, playing as much this season. Ralston, um, who could play for any other team in the league. And you've got this group of players that are just bubbling under the surface. And then you've got almost the third group of players who haven't yet had an opportunity um, to shine. But one of the players you mentioned earlier, Jota, I don't think he's at his best yet. But I'll tell you what, he was involved. And that that chance he had, the movement, it started, the move started with Joe Hart. 
It ends with Jota hitting the bar. And it took me back to the the goal that Dembele scored up at McDermott, where I think every player on the park, every Celtic player on the park touched the ball. There was something like, was it 23 passes? And it, it, there was a Rabona and, and Blustig, and obviously uh, Dembele scored the goal. And I was thinking back to that, I thought to myself, if this nestles in the back of the net, it's going to be up there. Um, and he's the type of player, Brian, that even if he's not having the best game in the world, he's capable of doing that that thing there, that bit of magic, the game-changing magic. Um, and I, I do think that he's had a bit of illness, a wee bit of loss of form, but I do think that we're seeing a wee bit of the jot of old. He could be coming back to his best in the weeks to come. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's one of those guys that he kind of, it, it's almost the same way I would think about Hatati in that I think I would always start a Jota, a player like that, same with Hatati. They just, they just have that, Moment, even if they can, they can be quiet during games. But they're so inventive and so clever and so brave in terms of what they try. You remember mm-hmm. we mentioned Gordon Strachan earlier. One of the things I always love Gordon Strachan saying is that I think he was talking about Sean Maloney, and he says bravery isn't it? guys at six foot five sliding into tackles and you know kicking people. He says bravery is getting the ball and trying something that nobody else is willing to try and risking it going wrong. Just taking that extra risk and. Guys like um, Hitati and certainly Jota to have that. So I mentioned him at the start. He, he was in and out of the game yesterday at points, but still just, he's got just that, that bit of thing you can never quite predict. And if you're playing against that and your back's against the wall and you've got a player like that in your team, it's just magic. And let's be honest, it's just incredible to watch. Like If you're a, an old-school Celtic romantic like myself, and I'm sure you and uh, certainly a few others, you love the wingers, you love these guys with just that bit of magic inventiveness. It's great mm-hmm. to watch. I actually think Aksabanovic is a bit like that. I think um, I think he's got that wee kind of spark of, of creativeness as well. Yeah, but Sejota and Hitati, they're just guys that are capable of so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's wonderful to see, especially when they're, they're still really young as well. As you see, they're probably nowhere near where they're going to be, which is incredible to think. It is, it is. And you know, just last week I was talking about Rio Hitati as being the, the complete footballer. And I still won, you know, performance against St. Johnson's not going to change my mind against that. You've got a player in Hatati, like you say, who's still getting to his best. Jota, I still believe, is going to get to his best. And um, I don't know if you're good at lip reading, but there was a moment where, obviously, he's a, he's known for being a dirty player, Jota, and he was done for uh, persistent fouling yesterday because he's such a dirty player as Jota. And um, there's a bit, if you if you watch it back, Callum McGregor gives him a wee word of advice. And if you're good at lip reading, um, it's worth a giggle. Watch it back. Uh, Donna, oh sorry, Danny. Dearie me, I have got bad eyes, but that, that's taking the biscuit. Danny Riley, sorry. The standard of football played in Scotland is frighteningly similar every week. How can we progress against this type of opposition? Although I, I understand your point, Danny, you know, there's been occasions where we have had by and far the biggest budget to go and buy players, and we've not been able to put that game to bed, Brian. We've not been able to go to McDermott and win 4 1. So albeit you might criticise the standard of opposition, you've still got to do the job. And previously, we've not always done that job. And I think that you can't take away the the performances and the accolades and the achievements of Angie's team, like yesterday and, and over the several months that they've been on this run because of the, the, the nature of the opponents in front of you. Of course you can. And I think, actually, if you look at how, you know, to, to Danny's point there about the improvement, Look, at it's the first time we played Livingston under Ange. Or the first couple of times we played them, actually. Just couldn't break them down. 
he's really struggled with them in particular, and it was a thing. And as well as we played, there were times where we couldn't quite couldn't quite get over the line. There is now, and I say I thought St Johnson actually defended pretty well. I thought they played pretty well in general, to be fair to them. But we, as you say, we've improved to the point where we're, we, we can solve these puzzles. We can find these little gaps and breakaways. Mm-hmm. And I think almost more importantly is the resiliency and the belief that we're going to. The player never never seems in doubt. You never see Ange in his touchline screaming for people to drive forward and shouting the ball. And he's got the faith and the composure that these guys will find a way to win. You saw it the amount of times we, we, we scored late. Um, I think it was the game, was it Dundee United at Parkhead? It was two each with like five minutes to left. We won 4-2. Mm-hmm. It's just the players just had that extra gear, and you can see they thoroughly believe that oh, we're we're winning this game. And you mentioned Tatati. One of the things that I think he's approved upon this season is that there's been games where we have been a wee bit no lackluster, but maybe just up against a very very stubborn opponent. And guys like Hatati, not just McGregor, guys like Hatati are really taking the green brace off the neck and saying, "No, we're not losing today. We're driving in. We're winning, and that's it." And it's a fantastic and. That mental thing has to be built. And I think going back to the point about Europe, it was what Angie said. He said, you know, these guys that's first experience there, next time they'll know better and they'll be better and they'll believe they can perform at that level. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's great to see it. And, and it's kind of tangible. You can sort of see the players going, no, here we go. And you can see the amount of players now pointing to where they want the ball and get more confident with each other. There's new leadership in the squad. Like even Joe Hart gave Jota a row for when he went off the park. Is there because he went off at the banks today going over? Things like that. And I love to see that in the squad because it's a squad of players that are so proud in their own like, professionalism and style of playing and um, success. But that fits for the entire team. And it comes to the end. You see him in the touchline and he hardly moves. I think the only time he moved yesterday was to pick up the ball. And again, he gave the fourth official a bit of a row because the guy took the throw in about six feet further away than when he picked up the ball. Um, which is quite funny, actually, when you saw Ange saying, He's there. I've just picked it up for here. He's over there. Um, and that confidence got to follow through. No, you're right. Again, we're going back to a discussion that we've had not only today, but previously, Brian, about the culture of, of the football club. Spoke about it last, uh, two seasons ago because there was an issue with it. And I watched recently... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. A fascinating interview, actually, with Rio Ferdinand, who's got a lot of time for Celtic and Paul McStay in particular. Um, and he was talking about how the culture started at Manchester United under Alex Ferguson got to a point where um, the club drives a culture rather than the players. So the players have got to buy into it. It's there. It's embedded in the club. But it has to start somewhere. And it started, obviously, with Man United. It started with Alex Ferguson. And then part of that culture is a winning mentality uh, also. But it was a lot of the, the small things at the club that had to be right. Um, and he was talking about you know getting a thousand things right every single day. Uh, creates a culture at a football club. And I think in the past, we've probably been in a situation where there's been a group of players who have driven the culture rather than the other way about. And and often what happens there is the thing breaks down. There's been a lot of talk about how that affected Ronnie Dyla's second season, for example, Brian, where there was a group of players who didn't buy into his system methods. And, um, you know, we still won the league. We were still good enough to win the league. Um, however, I think that uh, Aberdeen probably Aberdeen fans probably look back on that as an opportunity missed because we weren't great that that season. Um, and then I think maybe in the last eighteen months under, or maybe the last year under Neil Lennon, there was that shift as well where there was a group of players kind of driving the dressing room, driving the culture of the club rather than the other way about. So to come in and have the strength to absolutely overturn that and get it back to winning ways. And it's not just, you know, winning football games. It's, as I say, that 1,000 things you do right every single day as a manager and as a football club. And then anybody coming into that, they've got to buy into the culture. They just won't last. And I think that, you know, when we look at people like, let's say, Yakimakis, you know, maybe he wasn't part of that. Maybe he, that's the reason he hasn't lasted. There's there's maybe a backstory to players who come and go as quickly as they have done. Um, you know, looking at Maurice Jens and his reaction to leaving Celtic, it sounds as though he did buy into it. Um, and he was blown away with the support in the stadium and, and the experience of it. But th- there's just this wee niggling doubt about Yakimakis now in my mind, about no buying into what Andrew was selling. And I just mentioned it as well regarding the Instagram posts and all that kind of stuff, something that uh, obviously has uh, rankled with him a wee bit. Um, we spoke about David Turnbull uh, in a previous show. I'm going to speak about him again. But before I do this, uh, you and I were were talking about this. Uh, it's been mentioned in the group chat as well. The breaking news from Plunge McNugget in relation to Man City being charged for something like 100 breaches uh, of financial fair play. And I think that it's an interesting uh, development because of the way that the league have dealt with it, Brian. Um, but also, it's something that can be driven uh, by the the highest corridors of football. You know, it's something that uh, we, as a football nation, have lacked. I think that that level of leadership and action uh, when it comes to financial fair play. So, I don't know. Do you think it might be a watershed? Do you think there's going to be other clubs sitting this morning thinking, "I hope we are no next." There should be, is the answer, there should be clubs thinking, we better watch what we're doing. It will remain to be seen if that's the case. And you need to understand as well, this investigation has been going on for four years. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just, you know, somebody's found out about this season and it's came to like this. I think it's been ongoing. So you don't know how many other clubs are facing similar sort of investigations. Um, I think, you know, with Man City, it just shows that, you know, we spoke about our, our managers 
outside of Celtic have spoken about how Celtic are very lucky with their budgets and, and similar such nonsense. And uh, we've often said, you know, just having the, the biggest budget, it's, it's about how you spend it and, you know, how you've earned it. And, you know, you still need, you can't buy success. Man City spent a billion pounds and they still don't want a European Cup. Um, they've no won the league, or probably no won the league this year. And I think sometimes it's about, it's about dealing with it, you know, properly. And, and I think that we, I think Jim and I spoke about if there was um, a European Super League and Celtic were asked to join. And I think Jim made a very good point, as he's wont to do. And he said, well, you, would you be happy if a Celtic player was on 150 grand a week and were spending £107 million a player for midfield? Mm-hmm. You know, you would nick because it's no us. And, and I think sometimes when you're a club sort of outside that EPL bubble, and you see Man City getting charged, and you think, do you know what? Good, because it's it, it's took the took the fun out of football a bit. You know the amount of money in it these days it is it is ridiculous, really, when you think about. It. I mean, Chelsea there, they spent nearly half a billion pound in January, um, and, and players four hundred fifty million they spent are sitting mid table. I mean, it's staggering, staggering money. And if these clubs aren't getting investigated, they should be, and that's for all clubs, not just in England. Yeah, I, I totally agree with it. It's, it's, um, when you look at the preposterous money, levels of cash that's getting uh, thrown um, about by football clubs, particularly when this was and always was meant to be um, the game of the working classes, Brian. You know, and working class people are struggling day to day. And like you say, that kind of money, you can't even imagine what that money looks like. Um, and, you know, the English game at the moment, if you look at um, the other big leagues, uh, often cited as the big six in, in European football, it's English, um, it's the English Premiership that's spending all the money. There's a lot of other clubs that are having to become far more creative and far better with their recruitment. And I think that I take great pleasure from the way that Celtic have done this. You know, um, he's lucky that he's got all this money to spend. Well, just look at the facts um, because the way that he spent the money and also... Celtic, as a football club, are not entitled to have 54,000 season ticket holders, Brian. They're not entitled to have money in the bank. Nobody gave them it. There wasn't a magic wand. I always go back to the Fergus McCann takeover almost being, you know, ground zero when it came to financial clout because Celtic had none leading up to that, none. You know, they didn't have a board that could build a stadium um, in line with the Taylor report. Everything that uh, the club across the city were doing, Celtic couldn't do it at the time. And by the way, I'm, I'm glad they weren't prepared to do some of it, but they certainly couldn't do what any other club uh, were doing that was spending money. They were in debt. You look at a situation with Brian McClare, who we spoke to a couple of weeks ago, where we bought him from Motherwell for 70 grand, right? And at that time, and I've interviewed Tom Grant, for example, who was on the Celtic board in the 1980s. If Celtic bought a player, it's because they had the money. They had the money in the bank and they went and bought a player with it. There was no debt. They didn't have any debt at that point. And that player, um, Brian McClare, that was purchased for 80 grand, we just sold someone who came through the ranks in Charlie Nicholas for 750k, right? You know, and then we buy an 80k player and four years later, we sell that 80k player for once again, 750k. So you've made 1.5 million pound. Where did it go? What did they do? They, they, you know, the, the financial mismanagement of the previous regime was amateurish at best. Um, but since McCann takes over, Celtic have had a generation of running the football club properly. And the recruitment, not always, we've not always got it right. But in terms of a balance sheet, 
Brian. We've done it. We've done our business correctly, and particularly since Angie's come in, the business we've done has been very, very shrewd. When you've got someone like Liam talking about Kobayashi uh, potentially being, um, you know, a first choice pick for Japan at the next World Cup, and we we picked that player up for zero. It's astonishing. Haksabanovic, £1.5 million. You know, Matt O'Reilly, £1.5 million. I'm talking about players who have got sell-on value. Um, and that that's the model that I think that we're implementing better. It's always been there, but we're just doing it a lot better, as you've often said. But one player that I have raised previously, in, you know, in relation to where he is right now in his career and his Celtic career is David Turnbull. At 23, and at this moment in time, I think he's in a similar boat to Leela Bada, age 21, Matt O'Reilly, age 22, where these guys are going to be itching for game time every week. They're 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 young. They're at a different stage of their career than, let's say, James Forrest, who, and even Aaron Moy. Uh, you know, when he's not picked, Brian, he'll, he'll sit on that bench and he'll go on when he's called upon. It's a bit like James Forrest, and even uh, although the the age is more similar, you know. Tony Ralston's like that, you know, absolute low maintenance players. But David Turnbull wants game time. So since returning from his suspension uh, after that sending off, he's had one start, six substitute appearances, and he scored three goals. I think you can throw an assist in there as well. But what I find astonishing is that he's only played 154 minutes <laughs> since he came back from that suspension, which is a goal every 51 minutes that he, that he scored. Um, and my big question would be, how does he break in? Now, I know it's simple to say when he gets his chance, take it. Do what Aaron Moy's done. But how can he do it to Aaron Moy when Aaron Moy's keeping out Matt O'Reilly? It's, at the moment, I think it's a big task for Turnbull. I would love him to do it. I think he's a phenomenal talent. But where is he right now and how does he break into the side, Brian? So I think um, with, with Turnbull particularly, I've said it a lot, I think he's an exceptional footballer. I think he's he's actually a far better footballer than any of his realised at this stage. And I just think that it's testament to the squad because he's not done anything wrong. It's just that he's hard to dislodge the players above him. Mm-hmm. But I think it's been shown that he can and that, that if he's, you know, if Ange feels that the players above him dip, he will get a chance to win. It's whether he can sort of believe in that and think, right, am I going to wait my turn or am I going to have to look to move? I think it's interesting as well, players' mentality around it because do they just shrug their shoulders and say, well, I'm not playing, so I'm going to move over? or they roll their sleeves up and try and fight for it. And I think the key distinction is the fact that Ange has shown that if players are playing better than the one that's starting, then they'll start. And you need to remember as well, is apart from the, what David Turner's contributed this season, he was a mainstay for Ange at first. I think he played almost every game under him until um, he got injured and Hitati and O'Reilly came in. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he's obviously he's been a very, very key part of Ange's success. Let's not be any doubt about it. Um, and I think that as you say, it's no simple saying just taking your chance. I think it just it depends what his attitude's like. But if, if he keeps doing what he's doing, it means Hitati has to be at the top of his game because if he dips, Turnbull's right there waiting. And I think that's a huge motivator. And just a, a final point, um, just on the... You talk about the, the, the success with Celtic, the financials and stuff like that. Ange, as he often does, put it spectacularly. And I think he said something like, you know, there's, there's 60,000 people come here every week, they spend their hard day in cash just to watch us play because we're the biggest club in the country. He says, and that's why we've got the most money. He says, it's up to me, my job is to A, reward them and B, maximise it. And that's, nothing, luck's got nothing to do with it. And he's absolutely spot on. 
And I just think it's one of those things that we we, we forget sometimes. And I know people have a go at me sometimes because I tend to defend Peter Law, but you know, for all the limitations, all the things that maybe you could say against them, we had a, we've had an incredibly successful financial period since he's came in. There can be no doubt about that. You know, it's been well managed and you look at the, the players Angie's have signed, compared to the players go out and we're still in profit. And each of these players has made a measurable difference to Celtic Football Club as a whole. So the system's playing well and you've got to give credit where it's due. And I think it's two very important things. Yeah, I, well, the thing is, we kind of got bogged down, I think, talking about the two players who were going to be departing, um, who were part of the first-team squad, Juranovic and Yakamakis, and we're talking about the, the transfer fees. We've done a show on how you know, Celtic have to kind of stand up to these teams when it comes to the actual transfer fees that we're going to get. But when you look at it you know, in isolation and you look at the ages of the players as well. It's still good business, Brian. You know, the fact that we've made a, a profit on these two guys um, in a very short space of time. Um, and that profit is then, you know, put into other players that, you know, there's a huge sell-on value because of their age. And the, and the group of players were brought in and you look at their ages on average, it's it's low. They, they could be at Celtic for three years two and a half years, two years, and then you sell them on for a massive profit. They've done their business uh, really, really well. Um, and I think there's also been a, a bit of ambition. We can't take that away. When you look at, you know, going back, to, it's easy to forget, going back to pre-season, and we had two loan players. We had three at Maeda as well, but that was an obligation to buy. But we had two loan players in Carter Vickers and Jota that, you know, that was going to set us back about 13 million quid just to buy them. And then you've obviously got the packages for each individual player. And we were talking on this show about which one would you prefer? Because there's no way we're going to get two of them. But there was a huge bit of ambition shown there, I think, and a bit of belief in Ange and what Ange is building, that we went out there and we actually did purchase the two players. Um, and I always remember getting, you know, talking about Edward, for example. Oh, was he worth nine million quid when we signed him? Well, if you sold him the following day, you would get your nine million quid back. So, yeah, he is worth it. And it's a bit like that with Carter Vickers and Jota. You know, um, I think Carter Vickers has already improved this season. I think Jota's got it in him to improve on the player that we signed at the beginning of the season. So the, there's also been ambition there. And when we put money into a player like Starfield, four, four and a half million quid, um, and also Hugo, roughly the same fee, we have spent big when, when it's been required. Um, but I think some of the business we've been doing in the lower ends, a one to two million pound has been uh, absolutely superb. Talk of a treble is on. Talk of Celtic. Um, here we go, Grant. I want to check the figures. If we win the treble, we will go level with the old Rangers and the new Rangers total trophy haul. Wow. Interesting. I'll have a wee look at that. Um, what have we won? We've won 40 Scottish Cups, 20 League Cups, a European Cup, 52 leagues. So that could all change at the end of the season. Um, and by the way, I'll be in for that and Axel will be streaming live for it as well. If you want to support the channel, give us a big thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And also we've got tickets available for the One Star event that's happening in May and Alan Thompson at Gracie's. All that's left for me to say is thank you once again, Brian Degnan, for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.